We got a Black Hawk down. We got a Black Hawk down. 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 Good Trash Genre Cast. So, dead? That's fine. How about alive? Hmm? You want to know? Look at these scars. Can you spell it? D-J-A-N-G-O. The D is silent. I have got to give me one of these. Luke, you're a wolf. What are these? What are you doing with these? Okay, I get it. Who gave you these? Who taught you about these? I learned it from you, okay? I learned it from wanting you! Leads. We can kill it. It's your last chance to walk away. Are you kidding? It's five against one. It's two against one. How do you figure? Once I take out the leader, which is you, I'll have to contend with one or two enthusiastic wingmen. Last two guys, that was one. Are you, uh, you done this before? It's getting late. Remember, you wanted this. Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast. And we're not doing what we normally do today. What we're doing today is a bit of review, maybe with a skosh of analysis, as we drop a bonus episode on the film Everest. Uh, Usually I give a jokey title about what the title could mean, uh, but I can't because it's about a mountain. Well, we do need to identify the voices that are speaking directly into your brains right now as you're listening to this podcast. To my right, sir, if you would. My name's Caleb Masters and... uh... Guys, I'm, I'm never climbing a mountain again. Thank you very much. To my left, sir, if you would. I am Arthur Gordon, and I'm a 100% Lone Star State. <laughs> my name is Dustin Sells. Going up the mountain is optional, but coming down is not. Or is it? So uh, now you know who we are. Uh, again, dear listener, we're going to give a quick little review. We just got out of the talkies, and we got to go to a press screening of Everest. And we're very, very excited to be talking about this film with you all at this point. And uh, so, yeah, I guess we're just going to open up the table and uh, talk a little bit about what we think about this film and whether or not it's something you want to catch. And so uh, we'll, we'll also spice up our review with just a, smo- a smidge, a skosh, uh, a sousson of analysis, if you will. Before we get into all that, though, I think we need to have a synopsis from the voice of the cinema. Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. From the director of Contraband and Two Guns comes the story of a climbing expedition on Mount Everest that is devastated by a severe snowstorm. Worst snowstorm ever. It's like Snowpocalypse 1995. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of moved in unexpectedly. Even though they were telling us for the whole movie, hey, this storm's coming, guys. We might want to climb. Foreshadowing, you had... (laughs) You, you were there for us. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, well, let's give a quick little bit of review with, again, that little taste of analysis. What say you, Mr. Caleb Masters? Uh, it was a beautiful movie. Uh, the, the cinematography was top, absolutely top-notch. The, we, we caught this... Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying we saw this in the IMAX 3D. And if you're going to see this movie, matinee in IMAX 3D. Don't see it any other way, because the big screen really does service the film. The extra sound really services the film. I mean, otherwise, you're looking at a pretty standard run-of-the-mill man-versus-nature story. Uh, this is, I, I like to call it the Valentine's Day 
movie of like nature mu- movies. It's like a ton of celebrities playing the same character they played in every movie in this movie, and none of them are really that memorable, and none of them really have arcs, but it's cool because they're famous. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, that, 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 that's kind of cool. I, there were moments where this movie was was really inspiring. I was like, man, I want to go climb a mountain, which is really cool, uh, really exciting. But ultimately, characters don't arc. The, 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 the pacing is just muddled. It's a mess. Uh, I did really appreciate when they did touch on the themes. Again, they didn't follow through with any of these themes that you set there, but there was an idea, uh, a kernel of an idea about why climb the mountain. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. And they got, like, it was the guy, the guy asking the question was, of course, a journalist. So I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. And they all gave him answers, and he's like, no, why do you climb the mountain? And I was like, ooh, it's going to get juicy. And they lay out this idea. Because we can. Why? Because I feel like I want to inspire a generation. And then he's like, but really, it's because I can. Because, because if I'm going to do anything, why the, if, if I need to inspire a generation, I'm going to lose weight or something. I'm not going to climb Mount Everest to inspire some school kids, right? Like, so that's the whole thing is like, why do this absolutely ridiculous thing? It keeps coming back to I can. So I thought there was a, an interesting idea that they never followed through with man's desire to like fill this crazy void that we all have inside of us by doing crazy stuff. And for these people, climbing Mount Everest was it. But, again, the, the, we didn't really fall through with that, that theme. That's probably the smidge of analysis I have there, is man wrestling with our own emptiness and depravity, uh, uh, looking for fulfillment in, th- in extreme measures, extreme situations like uh, climbing Mount Everest. All righty. Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Yeah, I would echo Caleb. I mean, it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. The scenery, the exposition shots of Everest, it's beautiful. Um, so it's really crisp, really clear. I like that a lot. I, I, I agree. I mean, there's no arcs. The writing is so bad. There's no depth. There's no arcs. Um, it's like everything. I mean, it, it tries to build some moments and then just deflates itself uh, constantly. And so it, it's hard to get behind. Um, I do like some of the acting. I really love John Hawks here. I think he does a lot with what he's given. Some of the actors... Uh, they do, I think, do a lot with what they're given. I, I like Josh Rowland here. Mm-hmm. I think he does. He's really channeling his uh, Tommy Lee Jones yeah. uh, in, here, and I think it's a lot of fun just to watch him. Uh, he, he's enjoyable. And I like Jason Clark. I mean, I don't think he's, you know, blowing the world away with this role, but uh, he's solid hand. I think he's a lot of fun. I think he's a lot better here than Terminator. He's and, definitely more charismatic than John Connor, that's for sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, we got two John Car- Connors in the same movie. We know who the better the better Connor is now. Um, and so I, I, I do appreciate that, but yeah, there's just no real depth or you know stakes, and the tone is all messed up because there's chances to really amp up the tension and the drama, and they just let it go, and it really I think kills like Kayla was saying that uh, the pacing of the film it really hurts it because when we're expecting the stakes to get raised and something crazy to happen, it just kind of peters out and we cut away and forget about these characters for 20 minutes. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I was, I was, I mean, you mentioned that, like, they literally, fought, you're following this character for about ten minutes, and you really feel like they're getting some traction momentum, you're like, okay, so this character's getting some growth, and literally, they'll go away for half an hour, and some of them, you come back, and they're just dead, you're yeah. like, what, what happened to that, it, you know, there wasn't, like, any real resolution, just yeah. build up, and then poof, you know? Yeah, uh, for example, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, I'm still not positive what happened to his character I know, apparently died he froze I, I got yeah. that but I don't know I mean I didn't, kind of, that was his body there, I just saw something covered in snow that had a beard a lot so of guys, I guess I just assumed a lot of guys with beards and fluffy jackets and it's hard to differentiate at times 
Uh, but I, I like John Hall here too. I think he does a lot of fun with what he's, he's given. He, he kind of just kills it. Uh, Masters was saying before uh, we went into the show that uh, Hall's just in a whole nother level right now. And I think here he's just having some more fun and it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but what Masters is talking about, that lack of depth, is kind of leads to my analysis, taking a slightly feminist approach. Um, going back to something uh, one of our co-hosts, Alex Wohannon, talked about on our Moon episode uh, of women just kind of playing the uh, motivational role, simply there to motivate. And that is precisely what happens with Kira Knightley's character here, uh, who is solely there to try and motivate uh, Rob, mm-hmm. Rob, uh, to get back down the mountain. She really, uh, she's introduced in the first first few minutes, gone for like an hour, and she shows up to try to remind us that she's there. It's even worse than in Moon. Like literally yeah. her sole goal is to show up in two scenes. And motivate. And, and motivate, and that's it. And cry. And cry a lot. And talk about yes. their baby. And so... And snot bubble cry, yeah. yeah. And it, it's really bad, and we see there are five female characters in this, None of them really play an integral role. Robin's right character. Robin Wright's character kind of saves the day for one character, but even then, she's just there to kind of give him motivation to get back home as well. When we get the little uh, 127 hours kind of existential moment with with Beck, uh, and she kind of shows up there, uh, it's it's kind of a fun nod. I think this movie in the hands of like Danny Boyle or uh, Joe Carnahan would have been a lot more fun yeah. um, yep. the other the other example I want to talk about is I don't know her name or the character's name but there's an Asian uh, lady on the mission with them um, and in the scene uh, Masters is talking about when they're explaining why they want to do it they they go to her and she starts to explain it and she kind of cuts back in to finish her explanation and they completely cut her off and jump to one of the other men character at the table completely cutting her off and so they try to build up this big moment for her at the peak at the summit and uh, it's no emotion because we have no reason to care or cheer for her when she finally reaches that summit other than she's finally made the seven but it really undercuts all of its female characters and I think it hurts where they could have added a lot more depth and a lot more heart to the film um, they kind of undercut themselves by leaving those uh, women out of there uh, and adding anything to it for them yeah, and, and that character in particular would have made sense to develop more and we had all these typical white uh, you know male hero, heroic characters and she was literally the only woman who was actually climbing yeah. the peak with them. And I actually found her very fa- intriguing. But again, we yeah. didn't ever get to go in depth. I'm like, what's her deal? Like, what, yeah. what brought her here? And then there was a great scene where, like you said, at the, when she gets to the top, it's like this big religious experience. She's like, man, this is so cool. I have no idea what it means for her, yeah. but it's cool. Yeah. it's it's really, When we watched Argo, Dustin always kind of wanted to talk about the, uh, the maid that worked at the palace mm-hmm. and her yeah. story because she kind of sells out her people to help the Americans. And the Canadians. That's the story I want. And, yeah. and that's the kind of thing we have with this this Asian lady who's on the expedition. Like, give me some more of that. Why is she here? Because she is the only female amongst this burly group of guys going up there. And so I think it's fascinating. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What I want to say is yeah, the movie's good, it, 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 but it's barely a movie. Uh, I'm a fan of this particular story. Of this partic- I mean, this movie was made for me and for guys like me. I like to hike and camp. and Old men. Backpack and climb up mountains. And I remember 1996 when uh, Beck Walters was found and half his nose was burnt off and all that from the frostbite and whatnot. So I remember all these events. I read John Krakauer's Into Threat, Th- Thin Air and uh, liked that book. So I'm familiar with these characters in the story. And what's going on uh, in, in the film itself is slavishly devoted to uh, accurately chronicling the events, trying to get the chronology correct. And, you know, playing some cinematic moments, uh, especially the inserts that are making great use of the IMAX uh, cinematography uh, here and there uh, throughout. But for the most part, it's 
it's like a bad made-for-television, you know, uh, dramatic recreation of just what whatever we've seen before, and, and that's sort of where the film is flawed uh, in that way. I think there's definitely pathos there. I mean, there's definitely emotion there. The movie's got heart and all of those sort of things. I do think it does. I, I, it's making a point, perhaps, of the lack of reason other than just sort of sort of uh, machismo uh, that is motivating people to climb the mountain. Uh, because it's there, you know, quoting Edmund Hillary. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's a thing that's going on in the movie. But what I find to be, you know, really, really interesting is uh, thinking about it in terms of adaptation. Now, I have not read Beck uh, Walter's uh, book about this. I have read Into Thin Air. Uh, but I assume that it, again, is slavishly devoted because it does seem to be sort of almost clinical in uh, the way it picks up the details. And Andre Bazan talks about uh, the the style of a film uh, when you're doing adaptation. What, what he means by style, though, is something more akin to what we think of as spirit, as the idea of the uh, emotional content and sort of the ideological components of the stories. And, and what I find when I'm watching this is I, I find none of Krakauer sort of interrogation of why do we bother doing this? Is, is this exploitative of nature? Uh, what is it about the men and women who are on this mountain doing this sort of thing and what motivates them and, and sort of the overall just tragedy. Uh, there's a story he tells at the end when he finally gets back down to Kathmandu and he finds him a drug dealer and just gets high as all get out because he just cannot deal uh, with what's going on. And what this film lacks in adaptation, even though it is uh, literate to the letter in faithfulness uh, to what I assume is exactly what Beck Walters wrote in his book, which is almost precisely the same sort of things Krakauer wrote as well in his book it, it is that even though it's got all the content, it's hitting all the you know, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's it lacks the spirit uh, that you get, at least from Krakauer's book of again, just the terrible sadness uh, that's going on I, I think it, it, it tries to get there there are moments there where yeah. you hear a Knightley's face filling up the Zymax screen and snot bubbles coming out you know, um, as she's talking to her to her love as he's dying. So there's something there that's that's powerful and interesting, but it's no, nowhere near the same as sort of this experience as you read the book and as you mentioned the Argo thing, where there is this real sense of suspense. I, I felt a sense of doom the whole time watching. Yeah. Like these cats are going to die, right? There is a moment of elevation revelation when one character lives unexpectedly. And I won't say much more about that. Uh, again, it's hard to avoid spoilers when we're talking about a story that's 20 years old. It's based on a true story, yeah. Based on a true story. So I'm, I'm a, but generally we're going to try to avoid it uh, a little bit there. But So there's a little bit of that that's going on. But for the most part, again, style in the Byzantian sense, uh, I, I think it lacks any faithfulness in that way. And uh, as a result, uh, it tends to fail. So as we come to the end of the show, let's give a quick verdict. Shelf or Trash? And also a rating of the film. I ask you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? I had to choose. I'd say trash. You don't have to watch this. There are better films. Um, I would say I would give it three uh, frostbitten noses falling off out of, I'd say six. I'd say something like that. Else, I'd say quickly, Just I'd probably watch Gravity and 127 Hours to go with this. It's a good pick. I like that very much. What do you say, Mr. Caleb Master? Shelf for trash and quick rating. 
Uh, I gotta trash it. I, I just can't justify it. I, I mean, like I said, the only way I would ever recommend it would be specifically for an IMAX matinee. I wouldn't even tell someone to rent this on DVD and Redbox because you're not gonna get that experience. You're not gonna get the fullest experience out of this movie, and if you can't get that, it's not worth saying. There are better movies out there. Uh, instead, you could look at... There was a made-for-TV movie, uh, Star Into Thin Air, that was actually better than this, and it starred uh, Shooter McGavin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shooter! Shooter! That's right, yeah, yeah. From uh, Happy Gilmore. Uh, Chris? Christopher McDonald? Yeah, yeah Chris, Chris McDonald, McDonald yeah. He starred in that. It was a made-for-TV movie made back in the late 90s. Uh, watched it in high school, and I was like, oh, is this a, like a remake of that movie? And that movie, made-for-TV, much better. Not great. Still better than this. Uh, rating, you know, I gotta go with, you know... Three drunken helicopter pilots have a possible fifteen. <laughs> I don't think they were drunk. He, I mean, it looked like a drunken pilot. Okay, I get, I get it. Altitude sickness. Altitude it's sickness. A, exactly. It's a real thing. You, you realize he just left his partner there. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He's like deuces. Yeah. deuces. I'm out. He's like, good luck, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Climb down the mountain. You just, flew, you just flew up. So there's no acclimatization at all yeah. for you. I don't know how that person. And you have all his any equipment to get down. <laughs> I guess he's gonna borrow one. Get, bag get, and steal. get a borrow your sack. He's <laughs> fine. Uh, what I would say about the film is I, I definitely think, think it's definitely worth seeing, uh, however that ends up happening. I don't know, shelf as far as purchasing and owning the film, I don't know about that, but paying money to catch it at the theaters, yeah, I think it's 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 definitely a, a fun experience to have participated in. So insofar as I'm saying drop some coin for this film, I'm saying yes, I think that's definitely worthwhile. Although I am sort of the target audience, uh, outdoorsman. Um, who uh, remember the events and whatnot. So there is all of that. As far as a rating, I would probably uh, give the film, um, I don't know, um, 11 and a half unseen but still dead and dying Sherpas out of a possible 17 or 18. It's something that lacks in this film, but I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> and so that's what I would say. Uh, about about that and uh, there you go dear listener now you know where we're coming from in the film I would echo the else's instead of my co-hosts well, I was going to ask I, I was going to say maybe you could throw out a couple of adaptation else's that you think truly hold the spirit and are really faithful in that kind of spiritual sense that you're, you're mentioning oh yeah yeah a good spiritual uh, uh, you know following of a story that doesn't you know sort of fails or rather doesn't fail to uh, um, you know live up to it uh, man uh Fahrenheit 451, the Francois Truffaut, is, is a good example. I would also recommend you take a look at uh, a film that Buzan actually recommends, which is uh, The Silence of the Sea. It's a French film about this German commandant who's living inside the home of uh, a, a couple parish, uh, uh, Paris, excuse me, French uh, rural countryside folk uh, during World War II. And, uh, is, that the, is that the prequel to Inglorious Bastards? It is not. <laughs> Uh, although there could be some strange mashup that could happen that would be kind of brilliant. <laughs> this is all in the Tide universe when Glorious Bastards takes place, confirmed, in the same universe as Everest. And <laughs> Silence of the Sea. I don't know how it was going to happen. There's less gunplay than I You guys heard it, heard it here first, guys. Interconnected universe. <laughs> oh, my. So, well, there you go, dear listener. Now you know where we're coming from and what's going on with all that. This is a little bit of bonus good trash for your ears. I'm giving you some aural pleasure uh, with all of that, and we're happy to give it to you. Uh, stay tuned, and you'll hear more good stuff coming from us, and we're just so glad that you tuned in. We'll see you next time.